Let me just tell you, if you eat too much of it, you're going to need some of that fiber water. Because <laughs> it, is, it is filling. It is amazing. Unbelievable. But thankful to the Lord for that. And just, God has been so gracious. If I could open up your Bibles, we're going to look uh, quickly, um, because there was a lot of activities this morning, quickly through a passage of Scripture that is one of my favorite when it comes to a woman who knew how to show her love. And in honors of all ladies today, um, we're going to look at a passage, and I pray that God will prick all of our hearts. Because here's a question that we don't often think about. Do you see people for who they have been, or do you see people for what God can make of them? Now think about that for a moment. I was asking some of, the, some of the girls, say, how would it be, imagine if we're singing, bless the Lord, oh my soul, bless the Lord, and Madonna walks in. And not one amen. amen. She walks in with another Italian, Lady Gaga. <laughs> and they're singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And you're sitting there, and you're, is that Lady Gaga? Is that Madonna? How can they come to church? Look at their lives. And we tend to look at people for what they've been rather than what God could make of them. Let's make this even more personal. Let's say Adele walks in. Or, do I dare say her name? Nancy Pelosi. Things Love has limits, doesn't it? We'll just have to say sorry, there's another church down the block. We wouldn't do that, but I fear that some of us may in our minds. We we are so quick to think of people for who they have been rather than really thinking about what God could make of them. I'll never forget when I got saved and later on one of the, there was football players that, that um, actually wound up leading me to the Lord uh, and you weren't messing with those football guys in college. They were big men and, and um, one of them said, you know Guido, you know what we thought when we met you? Hey, Guido was my name in college. <laughs> Guido, you know, Guido, what we thought of you, Guido, we thought that you would make an amazing Christian one day. And I thought, me make an amazing Christian? I'm like, you didn't even know me. We thought you'd be an amazing Christian one day. They didn't see me for what I've been. They saw me for what God could do in my lives. And I'm forever grateful for someone like that. You look at this passage of Scripture, and we're going to move through it quickly here in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. It says, now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him. Now, right there, it should call your attention because the Pharisees did not like Jesus. I mean, every time he would heal somebody, every time he would make a speech and talk to people, every time that, that he would show people that he is the way, the truth, and the life, the Pharisees got mad. They didn't like him. In fact, he exposed them. He called them hypocrites. 
He said, your teaching is wrong. He exposed their pride, their hypocrisy, and the Pharisees in him. The more that Jesus walked on this earth, the less the Pharisees wanted to be around him. But yet we see here that the Pharisees, one of them, invites him over to eat. Probably to test him or to show him up or something. And, and he enters into the Pharisee's house. And he reclines at the table. I like that because back then when they would eat, they would eat with their, with their arm against a, a, a cushion and they would just eat with one arm while they were laying down on a nice small table. I remember when I was a kid, we had one of those. And I would just eat laying down like this and just have the, the food right there. And it's just kind of a comfortable way to eat laying down. You've got to be careful because some of the stuff doesn't go down like you want it. But um, here they are. They're reclining at the table. And back then, people could walk in on your meals. And especially when they had these small little Bible studies and the food was there and they got Jesus there, people would walk in and they would sit in the back and they would want to hear what he's saying. And, and look what happens in verse 37. There's a woman in the city. We don't know her name. People try to say she's this and that. We don't know her name. She has no name. But we do know a description of her. She's a sinner. How would you like that description? Oh, you know so-and-so? What's his name? I don't know, but he's a sinner. She's known as a sinner. You say, what kind of sinner? Well, does it really matter? I mean, maybe she was a prostitute. She could have been a prostitute. We don't, we don't know that. Some think that she was a prostitute, but she was a woman in a city who was known, who had this, this, this title of known as a sinner. I'll never forget that one of our first Bible studies in Argentina, we had a lady, it was a ladies Bible study, and Katie had, Katie was leading, and she had all these different ladies, and somebody said, did you have so-and-so come to your house? We said, yeah. Do you know she's the town prostitute? We had no idea. Everyone was invited to that Bible study, and she came. Oh, some people know about this lady. And it, well, she walks in, and look, watch this. And this woman, she's a, she's a sinner. She learns that, that Jesus is there, and she brings this perfume, this expensive perfume, this, this perfume. Some say this was from, from India at that time, and, and this perfume here was worth a year's worth of salary. This is an expensive perfume. And, and look at it. She's moved by the moment. I love this. She, she's standing behind him at his feet, and she can't stop crying. She's weeping. Some of you saw it this week. It was on TV. The guy that met Aaron Judge. Amen? Not one amen. How huh? you guys don't like Aaron Judge? The young kid, he met Aaron Judge. He got a fly ball, a home run ball from Aaron Judge, and he's crying. He's just weeping. And then he met Aaron Judge, and he can't stop weeping. Well, you would weep too if you love the Yankees. He's weeping. <laughs> weeping. She can't stop weeping. She's in the presence of Jesus. And she somehow, before this, she heard Jesus and she accepted Jesus as her Savior. She's, she's a saved woman, but she's, she's weeping here. And she wet his feet with her tears. She, she wipes them with the hair of her head. You say, so what's so big about that? Back then, ladies didn't let their hair down. If they did, that, uh, the, the husband could divorce them. Only the husband saw their hair. So they kept their hair up, but she can care less what anyone thinks. She let her hair down. She dries her, his feet with her hair. She kisses him, the feet. 
And this is, in, in the Greek, it's just continual kissing his feet. Let me, let me just tell you something. You want to know, my grandfather used to tell me, you want to know if a lady really loves you? You want to know the test? Ready for this? You know what's coming, Ma, right? She cuts the hair on your back. If she cuts the hair on your back, you keep that woman. She loves you. And some of you have a lot of hair on there. But let me tell you something. You want to know, touch your feet. That was for the lowest of the low. But here it is. She's kissing his feet, not just touching his feet. And she's anointing him with perfume. She's just, it's supposed to be for his, his head, but she's anointing the feet. She's just moved by the moment. She's, she's over. She, she just can't believe the love she has for Jesus. She's moved. He's there weeping and, and wiping. And, and it's just amazing what's going on. Is everyone happy about this? No. Look at, look at the Pharisee's response. Now the Pharisee who had invited him said this. If this man were a prophet... Because just before this, people were calling Jesus a prophet. But this can't be a prophet. There is no way this is a man from God. Because in their eyes, religion is for good people. And we only hang around good people. And we don't want to rub arms with sinners. In fact, he says here, we won't even touch. He says, if he knew what sort of person she was and that she is a sinner and he was touching him, oh, he can't be a prophet. Let me just tell you something. It is sad to see these kind of attitudes in the church where somehow we think that God has called us to never rub shoulders with people who need Jesus. And we got to run from them and hide from them and look down on them. And if, you, if, if, if the pastor did, he didn't know who was in the Bible, that's the town prostitute. You think they would have had him in the house if, if they knew that she was like that or had this person or talked to this person? And Christians get this attitude of we don't even need to be around those people. And we judge them and we're judgmental and we're just like the Pharisee. And he says, there's no way that Jesus is a prophet. Because religion is for good people, not for people who are a mess of their lives. Not, not for people who need Jesus. Just for good people. Just for good people. What sort of person he is. Now watch what Jesus does. Uh, what, when a person says this before we get there, one way to test our grasp of God's grace is to see how we respond to the people we think of as sinners. How do you respond when you're watching the news and you hear a so-and-so does this and so-and-so does that? What do we say about them? What do we, how do we treat them? What do we do or fail to do to touch their lives with the love of Jesus Christ indicates our true understanding of God and His grace. See, if we really understand God's grace, we're going to move towards those people, not away from them. But this Pharisee, he can't be a prophet. There's no way. So here's what Jesus does. I love it. He tells a little story to get their attention. Watch this. Jesus tells a parable. Here it is. And Jesus answered him, Simon, now we know his name, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. Now watch this. A moneylender has two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other owed how many? All right, now let's do the math. 
I know that Americans, we struggle with math. In fact, they say that 85% of Americans don't know math. I'm glad I'm the other 25%. (laughs) Let's do a little math. You got one that owes how many? 500. That's 500 days of work. How long is that? Probably a year and a half. We'll we'll round it up. The other owes 50. 50 days of work. How, How much is that? That's about two months of work or a month and a half, we'll call it, okay? So one owes 10 times the other, what the other owes. That's a lot. But here's the key. Look at verse 42. They were both unable to repay. And what happens? Instead of putting them in prison, which they did back then if you didn't pay a debt, until you were able to pay the debt, he graciously forgave them both. So the question is, so which one of them will love more? Now, the answer is easy. One owed 500, the other owed 50. You, you forgive the one with 500, you forgive the one with 50. Which one is going to show more appreciation? The one with 500. It's easy, right? Well, watch this. Simon says, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to them, you have judged correctly. You got it right. It was the one with 500. Very easy, right? But here's the problem. This parable does not deal with the amount of sin. This parable is dealing with the awareness of sin in his heart. Here's the problem. Whether we owe 50 or 500, we still can't pay. And so some say, well, we got to be a great sinner to love God and be great. It's not about being a great sinner so we can love God. It's about the awareness of our sin, realizing that we all can't pay, no matter how good we are. You say, how come I'm just not aware of my sin in my life? Here's why, and I'm going to give you two quick reasons why, and this is going to help us to grow in our awareness of sin. We need to stop comparing sins. Let me me tell you something. Right now, it's going on now that the abortion thing, and and, and it's amazing how the church rallies against certain sins of society. And is abortion wrong? You better believe it's wrong. Is it killing babies? You better believe it's killing babies. And we all talk about, wow, we got to pray that abortion stops and all that. And we, we gather together and we talk about the sins of society. But what about my critical spirit? What about my unthankful heart? What about those right here in this room that are having a hard time forgiving people? How does God look at that sin? How does God look at the sin of worry? Or greed? Or the acceptable sins in the church? There's a guy that wrote a book called Respectable Sins. We tend to respect some sins more than we do other ones. And so the guy's a gossip. So what? He didn't kill anyone. The guy, the guy worries all the time. So what? So what? And we, he's not as bad as society. And we compare sins. And we never realize how much we need our Savior. Every time we compare a sin, we forget that sin is sin and all sin bothers God. All of it. The three acceptable sins in the church. Are you ready for this? family. We put family above God. We put entertainment above God. That reminds me, the Yankees are playing at 11. I got to get out of here. We put entertainment <laughs> above God. 
We put sports above God and everyone's like, that's fine. We have idols in our own hearts, worry, greed, impatience, anger. We harbor these things and we compare sins to make ourselves feel better before God. We got to stop that. Look at the next one. We compare sinners. We watch the news. And let me tell you, the news is all about people who sin. And we watch it and we look down on people and we feel so much better about ourselves. Boy, I'm so glad I'm not like that deadbeat dad. Or I'm so glad I'm not like so-and-so on the How can so-and-so do this? And every time we compare sinners, it's causing us not to be aware of our own sin before God. Here is this lady that goes before the Lord. And she realizes she is a great sinner. She's not comparing herself to the Pharisee of nothing. She says no words. She is just showing her love because she realized that her sin grieved God. She realized that her sin, is she deserves the pit of hell. And the more that we realize that, the more we're going to love our Lord and realize the mercy of God in our lives. But the more we keep comparing sins and comparing sinners, we'll never love God the way He wants us to love Him. And so watch what happens here. He makes a contrast between Simon and the sinner. He says this to Simon. Look, he turns to the woman. He says, do you see this woman? I've entered into your house. You gave me no water for my feet. This was common courtesy. Back then, the streets were, were, were dirty. The, the, they wore sandals. Their feet got dirty. The common courtesy was to pour a little water on their feet before they came. Didn't even do that, Simon. But this woman, look what she did. She has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. She's gone above and beyond. Look at the next contrast there. Simon, you gave me no kiss. Now, a lot of you are not Italian. So you don't know how it is to kiss people. I grew up. I had to kiss more people. People I didn't even know. People, my dad, hey, this Frankie, give him a kiss. Dad, I don't know Frank. Give him a kiss. I had to kiss Frankie and Petey and Chai. Yes, well, I had to kiss everybody. You guys don't know what it is to be in a time. We kiss everybody. Nice little kid. Argentines kiss. Americans. Good to see you. <laughs> I forgot. We came back from Argentina. We were in Queens and just on a furlough there. And I forgot where we were. And I'm kissing everyone in the church. I thought about after the eighth person. Wait a minute. They don't kiss here. But I was used to walking in the church and kissing everyone. Why don't we start that? I mean, amen to the... <laughs> Ah, you have no lines. Just say amen. <laughs> you gave me no kiss. <laughs> she got me good with that one. But she, that's why it spread through Italy like it did. But she, since the time I came in, watch this, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You didn't even give me common courtesy. A little kiss, a little respect, nothing. Look at the next one. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with what? Perfume. She went above and beyond. You say, why did she do that? Look what the text says here. Here's the very point of the parable. For this reason, I say to you this. Her sins, he doesn't excuse. He says her sins are what? They're many. She's a sinner. 
But she's been forgiven. And because she's been forgiven, what? She loves. There's the response. And, and, and he says this, and this is really important. He who is forgiven, what? Little. Loves little. Now you say, who's forgiven little? It's those people who have no awareness of their true name. They don't understand. Why would they love God if they just keep comparing themselves to one another or feel better about themselves because their sins aren't as bad as other people's sins? Here, here, here's the point. You ready for this? Little awareness for forgiveness yields little love for God. Let me give you a little Romans 9 for a moment. Why did God choose Isaac over Ishmael? Why did God choose Jacob over Esau? Why did God favor Israel over Pharaoh? Let me get more personal. Why did God want you? Any answers? None of us deserve it. Only because of His mercy are we saved. And the more that we're aware of His love and mercy, the more we're going to respond to Him with love. But the more that we go around justifying our sins because they're not as bad as the ones in society and justifying our lives because we're not as bad as the people around us, the less we're going to be aware of the very mercy of God. You see, both of them couldn't repay. Both of them were in trouble. Both of them deserved punishment. But yet they were forgiven, both of them. Little awareness for forgiveness yields little love for God. Watch this. He, he addresses the woman. He said to her, your sins have been released, forgiven. Her sins weren't forgiven because she loved. She loved because her sins were forgiven. There's a big difference. She didn't try to earn this forgiveness, but she showed her love in response to the forgiveness. The Pharisees around the table are livid. Look at them. They are so upset. Verse 49. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to himself, Who is this man that even forgives sins? Who does he think he is? We know he's not a prophet. He touched this. Who is this man that even forgives sins? I'll tell you who he is. His name is Jesus. He is the Savior of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to God the Father. He is our God. Who is this man that even forgives sins? And he says to them, to the woman, your faith has saved you. Shalom. Go in peace. Have peace because your trust is in Christ alone. Here's what's interesting. I, I was reading a story about a guy that was caught stealing mail. And back then, the crime was punishable by hanging. And so the judge wrote a pardon on a piece of paper and he gave it to the guy and said, you don't have to, you don't have to die, you're pardoned. And you know what the guy said? I don't want that paper. Get it away from me. So now they said, what do we do? He doesn't want the pardon. The judge said, well, if he doesn't want the pardon, he's going to be hung. And so they did. 
They executed him. Why? Because the pardon was offered, but the pardon wasn't received. You see, the Lord extends the pardon to every one of us. And the only way that we can save ourselves, if we want to say that, from going to the pit of hell is accepting the pardon of God through Jesus Christ. It's extended to every one of us. The question is, will you receive it? You say, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so. So what? We all can't pay. We're all in trouble. And so we need His forgiveness. And let me just say this. If you've accepted His forgiveness, understand how much you don't deserve it. And stop justifying your life by looking at other sins and other people's sins and looking down on them. Start looking to God and say, thank you for saving me. You see, I may have been the one with 50, but I thank you. Or I may have owed you five, but I still couldn't pay it. Thank you for saving me. Or even one, we're in big trouble. And so the more we're aware of this, the more that we love Him. Now watch this here. With whom do you identify most in this story? Let's take a moment to think that through before we have communion. Do you identify with the woman who's lost in the wonder of the love of Christ? Do you identify with the Pharisee who's always looking at other people to feel good about himself? Who do you identify with most? Let's take a couple of moments and pray and then we'll have our time in communion. Our Father, as we look at this parable, it's so easy to get caught up in the amount when really it's all about the awareness. Do we really understand how merciful you've been to each one of us? It is so easy to compare sins and say, well, I'm not so bad because I don't do this. I try to be a good husband and a good father. I try to do good things. And we forget how lost we really were before Jesus. Lord, it's so easy for us to compare ourselves to other people. Just to make ourselves feel good. And we look down at those in society who are doing things that don't please you and say, Maybe not out loud, but in our own hearts. I'm so thankful I'm not like them. And we lose the awareness of our sin before you and the greatness of your mercy towards us. Thank you for who you are. Prepare our hearts right now. And God, we all stand guilty before you. Thank you so much that Jesus died in our place 
So the moment that we accept Him, we are justified before Your sight. And that, Lord, we have eternal life because of Him. And I pray for each one here in this room that no one would would leave here today without having that peace in their hearts because Jesus is there. Help us, Lord. We need You. We look to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want you to look at one...